0: Join the guild and secure your ticket to Scott's sale at the best possible price by visiting MaxLawEvents.com.
1: Hi, I'm Becky Zobel. I'm with LaFleur Marketing in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and this is the Maximum Lawyer podcast.
2: Well, we just had a great episode with Becky Zobel. We met her through FileBind, and she's been a good resource to bounce things off of. So many people in the legal marketing space, I think, are just full of crap. And she's sort of a straight shooter. And she piqued our interest because what she said is very consistent with what we say about marketing. And so we wanted to share her wisdom with all of you.
3: Yeah, and it's one of those things where, and you mentioned on the podcast how we have people reaching out all the time to get on the show. We fight them off with a stick. And I mean, I don't view Becky and LaFleur Marketing as... You know, marketing vultures. I like their style. If you go to their website, it's one of those things where it's not it's not a marketing vulture type of a company. And it I think a lot of the information that she shared is it's fantastic and that people will be able to apply it to their firms. Yeah,
2: it was good stuff. I hope everybody enjoys it. Yep. Enjoy the show. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mewtriks. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Well, if you hear all those birds, it's because I'm up in Michigan. I am in Holland at my sister's house, and we've spent the week up here with the kids. We've been having a great time, and uh, this is our recording day. So we're actually recording, I think, four podcasts today. So it's good to be with you for the second time today. That's right. I'm excited. I
3: I like. I've come to be excited about these days that we get all these podcasts knocked out in one day. It's it's fun. We get to by the end of the day, we'll probably be sick of each other, but. I don't know, I'm excited
2: about it. Well, I'm really excited about our guest today. And here's the thing that everyone listening to the show needs to understand is that you would not believe the weird ass emails and messages that we get of people trying to come on the show, right? And it's not like we are one of the top podcasts in the world, but we do get lots of requests to come on the show. And a lot of those come from marketing people and we usually beat them back with a stick. But about a month or two ago, Tyson and I were asked to be on a panel I think it was for Filevine to talk about marketing and for like one of the very first times we had a marketing person on that we actually agreed with and that we thought was singing our song so we wanted to invite her on the show her name is Becky Zobel and she's up in Grand Rapids very close to me I just found out Becky welcome to the show
1: Hi, I'm glad to not be in the category of weird ass people trying to (laughs) worm their way on the show.
2: Oh,
3: it's funny. Worming on the show is exactly the way to put it because it's funny. They'll like they'll try to like put things in their message to us like they know us like they'll call Jim like James or they'll call me (laughs) Ty. And it's like, no, you don't know who we are. Like, and they'll try to like, it's it, like they listen to like 30 seconds of a podcast and then they'll try to pretend like they've been listening for years and it's very clear that they did. It's fun. But anyways, this is about you, though. We're going we're to talk about you who is not some weird ass. And uh, so <laughs> tell us about your journey and how you how you got into marketing and, and how you got to where you are now.
1: Wow, what a journey it's been, huh? I started in, I would say, more just general operations. So being the liaison between internal and external. And really, that's what I do here at Lafleur Marketing. We're an agency with clients and we work in highly regulated industries. So legal happens to be one of them. And so I started in that like hands and all things type of role and then transitioned more into marketing and I've always been in-house marketing at places so I fully understand being spread thin people thinking that anything, making a Word document looks nice is like, oh, let's have the marketing girl do that. Or, you know, all those kind of odd projects and trying to prioritize that internally has always been my role of how do you move things forward and keep the day-to-day floating and everything that everybody considers marketing. So I've been on the agency side now for over four years and I really like it. I like being surrounded by a team of experts. So I don't have to have the answer to everything, but I know that my team does and I can count on those different people. So that's been, that's been really fun. And I still get to flex that hand in all things muscle and be on the client side of things. I'm the director of accounts here. So making sure that all the departments are doing what they need to do and all of our clients are happy. So that's a really brief description of you know how I got here and where I'm at today.
2: So for those of you who are not seeing the video, Becky's in her office and I see she has some very detailed to do sheets there. There's a a very detailed calendar. And then on the back, there's on her whiteboard, there's graphics that seem to be very important. So I'm wondering, (laughs) Becky, talk to me about, you know, I think marketers and people who think about marketing think of it as an art. But one of the things that I liked about your presentation with us on FileVine was that there's sort of more a system to it, a science to it, that that you can be sort of deliberate. Can you talk about that sort of relationship between the artistic side of marketing and the systemization part?
1: Yeah, that's the really fun side of being in digital now. So It really has opened up what we can do because we can make decisions based on data. And that's what's really exciting. So we can test different things on websites and we can say, we want a button to say this sometimes and say this other times and what one makes people click and what makes people react. So that's really where the science meets up with the data and being able to track those systems. We're actually working on a project for a client, building a data warehouse where we can tie in all different kinds of things. And so at the end of the day, we could say somebody that goes to your site for this amount of time and uses this. This kind of phone and is interested in this, we'll eventually settle a case in six months for, you know, a million dollars. And to be able to pull all the data from many different places together to make educated decisions is just like super exciting to all of us on the team. And that's where things are headed with just all the information that you put out into the world. Uh, There's a saying like, if you're not paying for it, you are the product. And so think about that on your social channels and, and things like that, of all the information that you're giving away willingly, but how can we use that to make better decisions and to ultimately help our clients and help them help their clients.
3: I think that's a good transition into one of my first questions is, I mean, I guess, what resources do you look to to track data, to analyze things, to figure out what's working, what's not working?
1: The resource I personally use is my team. <laughs> so we have people in-house that are doing a lot of that, but Google Analytics is one. Any platform that you're in, if you're running you know, Facebook campaigns, you can pull data through their backend tracking on the website. So that's coming through Google, Google Search Console. Anything that you're doing has a way to track it. So figuring out what those systems are and how can you tie them together if possible so you're not pulling data from a bunch of disparate sources. And figuring out there's a lot there to look at. So what is important and what can you make actionable decisions on and be smart about versus just tracking things for tracking sake?
2: So Becky, what does it look like to get started in marketing? So we have a lot of lawyers who think that they know what they're doing when it comes to legal marketing. They try lots of different things. They may not be particularly deliberate or purposeful or in it for the long haul, and they might bounce from thing to thing. What kinds of things are you seeing on your end when starting up with lawyers who've been trying to do it on their own?
1: All of the things that you just mentioned, I'm seeing people that aren't in it for the long haul that don't want to put the investment there, realizing that marketing and getting new business ultimately is going to make you more money and you have to put resources there. So whether that's an internal team or that's having a marketing partner like our agency, being willing to see that and how we start out as we want to know what a client's goals are. So if you say I need the phone touring, that is a different set of actionable things than saying I need more form fills on my website, or I need to grow this practice area. So being smart about what the thing is, and not just you know meeting someone and saying okay we have a one size plan that fits you and we're going to have you do that. So people want quick results and like I said that's you know maybe that's running paid campaigns or something like that that's not going to be building organic traffic to your site. That's a long play and a lot of people aren't willing to invest there and put time and energy there when that could be longer term success for them.
3: So tell me about the dynamic between you know working with a firm and working with a marketing agency. So for example, like we do all of our marketing in house, let's say we were to shift over to working with a a marketing agency. And I know you talked a little bit about the goals, but what is it like? Like what's the back and forth? Like, are you like an extension of their firm or how does all that work?
1: Yes, absolutely. And our most successful relationships are with firms that are very interested in what we're doing and willing to give us time and willing to give us feedback. We can report to you on how many conversions we saw on your site. But if we don't get data from you of, are these good leads? What is it looking like converting them to a case? And you know ultimately, how long did that take? And what did they settle for? And things like that. That helps us make better decisions. So... We understand the goals. We come up with a plan for each of our clients that's specific to what they want to do. Like I said, we don't do packages or one size fits all for anybody. So we come up with what that plan is. And then we communicate very regularly. A lot of clients, we have a scheduled call on a biweekly basis. We communicate in between there, but we will go over the things that we are making, You know, the specific deliverables. We go through reporting once a month. So we want to show how what we're doing is helping. And that's where getting that feedback and being able to understand what data is valuable. So we don't want to just show you cherry pick good numbers. Like we want to show you this is what's happening up or down. And here's what we're doing to fix that or address that or here's ideas that we have to shift strategy. So we're communicating pretty regularly with our clients. Sometimes you know that's with a partner. Sometimes that's with a marketing manager that they have. Sometimes it's an operations person that oversees their marketing efforts. So that depends firm to firm, but really having somebody there that is invested in what we're doing is what's going to make it the most successful relationship.
2: Let's say we have a law firm owner whose back is up against the wall and they need to start getting results quickly from the marketing and they're interested in longer term planning. But for right now, they need some more cases. Where would you guys start?
1: Based on that information, I would say we would probably start some type of paid campaign. That's what's going to get them fast results. Like that's putting gas on the fire now, while we would slowly be building up that long-term plan. So is that email automation to be nurturing leads and keep that funnel growing. And that's going to be the bigger play. But if you need something immediate, that's probably going to be putting some type of paid
3: strategy together. All right. So I'm going to ask you a follow-up to that one, because I know people are thinking this and it's something I've thought about quite a bit. Is the long-term strategy worth it, right? Or is it worth it to just go jump right in with paid ads? And I I think I know what you're going to say, but maybe you'll surprise me. Like, is it worth putting in the time, the effort, the money for that long-term organic strategy, or is it worth it to just jump in with ads?
1: I'm going to say yes. And is that what you thought that I was going to say? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to say yes, because if you have paid ads and they're saying how great you are, And that you know everything in your industry and people should trust you. And then you send them to your website to make some kind of conversion to call you or to fill out a form or something like that. And they go to your website and you don't have content there backing up that you know what you're talking about. You don't have results to show, client success stories, things like that. That's all just going to fall flat. So those are... You can get somebody in the door, but you need to keep them interested. And that's what's going to help you build that credibility. And those things, while they take time, that's what's going to start delivering for you. And we saw that for ourselves as an agency, you know, putting a foot in both worlds. It took a while to get that organic traction, but now we see form fills and we see people coming to our site, searching for you know, legal marketing, and then they're finding our site, they're downloading an ebook, they're learning more about us. And we see that user journey and that's where the tracking can come into play. So having a CRM system in place where you can say, okay, this person came to our site on this date and then they filled out a form and they were in our email list. And we've been nurturing them with drip campaigns and newsletters. And then they looked at this other thing and then they you know, went to somebody's profile on LinkedIn and now they're ready to make a decision. That's a long process for some people. And if you just show an ad and then you don't have anything to back it up, it's just going to fall flat.
2: Running your own practice can be scary. Whether you're worried about where the next case will come from Feeling like you're losing control over your growing firm or frustrated from being out of touch with everyone working under your license, the stress can be overwhelming. We will show you how to turn that fear into a driving force of clarity, focus, stability, and confidence that eliminates the roller coaster of guilt-ridden second-guessing and mistake-making to get you off that hamster wheel for good.
3: Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time is a step-by-step playbook that shows you how to identify what your firm needs and how to proactively get it at every stage of the game. So, you are prepped and excited for the inevitable growth that will follow. Name the lifestyle that you want, and we'll show you how to become a maximum lawyer in minimum time. Find out more by going to maximumlawyer.com forward slash course.
2: You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Our guest today is Ms. Becky Zobel. She's with LaFleur Marketing in Michigan, and they specialize in marketing for regulated fields like lawyers. I'm wondering what is different about lawyer marketing? I mean, a lot of the concepts that we've talked about so far would apply to all kinds of businesses. What specifically is different that you found either works or doesn't work with law firms?
1: What's different is how different legal clients get clients, the cases, the way that they manage cases. So, getting a customer for a consumer good is very different than finding somebody who's been hurt in a car accident and is looking for a good lawyer. So understanding our clients' full journey and how they get their leads and how those leads turn into clients is very different than a transactional type of business model.
3: I've got a very similar question that so you have solo firms or small firms where it's really centered around one person, usually, or you've got these bigger firms that like, for example, Traffic Law Center is one that used to be pretty big in St. Louis, but I think it's kind of shrunk uh, recently. But how is it different marketing those two different types of firms? So one that's more um, based on the name, as opposed to based on the person?
1: So if it's based upon the name, and it's funny when you're talking about that, I can think of a client that we have in each bucket. So the one where it's based upon the name, it's going to be and their marketing person came to us and they said, "You know, I learned years ago, you want to turn your attorney into a celebrity. And so that's what they've worked really hard to do is to build that personal brand. So there's a lot of weight that comes with that person. And you want to make sure that you're focused on that, but also on the firm as a whole, because... People retire, things happen, you know, you want to make sure that you've built that up, but that's having more of that figurehead person and making sure that their reputation aligns with that and and people know them versus a brand where you're talking about the full experience and that is it's different. It's not having that figurehead. It's not going to their website and seeing that giant glamour shot of them right on the homepage. It's making sure that you can see it's a trusted team and and how that whole firm works
3: together to meet their clients' needs. So I'm going to follow up real quick, Jim. Have you found that one way is more effective than the other?
1: I would say I don't have... A good way to measure that. Yeah. I both are very successful in their areas and they both are very concerned about keeping it that way where it's either the brand and not a figurehead or keeping it the figurehead. And they're both doing very well. Um, So I can't say that Well, they were a figurehead and everything fell flat. And so we had to switch it over to this other way because they're very established in the ways that they're doing things.
2: Talk a little bit about giving away content and sort of direct response marketing, trying to get people to raise their hand as opposed to just branding for branding's sake.
1: So, giving away content and getting people to raise their hand, that's more that organic side. So, you want to answer a question that somebody would have. And that's where looking at search data and what are long tail, is what they're called long tail keywords that people are searching for. So, having that information available so that you are that authority when people. Get into a car accident, have some type of medical malpractice, you know, whatever area you're in, they know to come to you and they're learning about things on your site. But you also want to have that brand, and that's where the short term of, you know, a paid thing comes into play versus the long term of organic. So you want to have that brand so that they can see that you're reputable, that if they go to your social channels, it's populated with information and looks like you are, you know, doing work in the area and it doesn't all fall flat. So you want to be playing in both worlds.
3: So at what point, Becky, do you think firms that are handling the marketing in-house, at what point should they start to consider, okay, this is something where I need to bring on a marketing agency as opposed to keeping it all in-house?
1: I think if there's an area where they're not seeing growth, if they don't have certain expertise in-house. So in our agency, and I'm sure this is with a lot, like we have a team of designers, a team of developers, we have content specialists, paid media specialists. That's a lot of very specialized talent to get out of one, two, three people in house and to have the overhead of those people. So if there's an area where you don't have that talent, then it's time to bring somebody else in. And that could be, we have a marketing person in house that does content, but we want to meet with somebody to go through a paid strategy, or we have some dev projects that we want to work on. So I would say anytime you're seeing results stagnate, and you're not sure why, Or you have an area where you want to see growth and you don't have that expertise in house.
2: Does your team have a process for finding the voice of the client? Because I think one of the problems with a lot of legal marketing is that it's all sort of bland, all sort of repetitive and sort of similar to everybody else's. I can't imagine being a personal injury lawyer. I just think that would be so hard to be able to stand out. But do you have a method for trying to figure out what the clients, the lawyers perspective is in and then infusing that into the marketing
1: we do so our i guess the the way that we do that is when we become partners with somebody we have an onboarding call and it's usually an hour two hours where we have everybody on our team that will be working on the account and any stakeholders in their business and we go through a lot of questions like where are you looking to grow tell us about your business tell us about your competitors we have a voice matrix that we show them where it's like Uh, formal to informal and authoritative to, you know, empathetic so that we can get a a feel for how they view themselves. We ask a lot of questions and it's good to get the perspective of everybody that they bring on the call. And then. We always say, as we start writing things for you, there's more feedback at the beginning where you would say, maybe tweak this or come at it from this angle. And then as we get the hang of that and you know our teams work together more, there's less need for that really fine tooth comb going through things. So the short answer is the more that we get to know a client and the better feedback they give us, the more that we can hone in on that voice. But we keep very detailed documents for each of our clients where if they say, I never want to use the term victim or something like that, we can go back to it. So if our writers on staff are, you know, changing around or anything like that, we always have that
3: Bible to go to for each client. So this is in relation to Jim's question. So there's an attorney that I'm not going to mention his name. There's a couple of them. One of like their commercials are really out there. They really, they're injury lawyers. They stand out there. They, they really stand out. One of them, he is in a junkyard He's sitting in, in in front of a couple of crash vehicles, and he talks in a gravelly voice. He compares himself to a junkyard dog, and he literally barks during the commercial. And it's really something that I think about, right? But the question is, is because I see this all the time. It's it's a lot of chest beating marketing, um, is what I would call it, where they're 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 beating their chest and they're saying how great they are. I mean, and I it's something I've thought about a lot, like. Is that effective? Because you see it all over the place. I mean, you really do when it comes to personal injury lawyers, they're beat their chest all over the place. Am I missing something? Is that effective? Or, like, because to me, it doesn't sound like it. I don't think it's effective because based on everything else when it comes to marketing, you should be, you know, answering the, the client's questions. You should be, you should really be focusing on them. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, is that type of marketing effective?
1: I mean, I tend to side with you, but ultimately like that guy's still in business, right? So it's got to work to some audience, somebody that is resonating with. And I think what's important and what we do with a lot of our clients is come up with the archetypes for their clients. So, you know, when we we did a big exercise with one of our clients to go through just that, and we find, okay, you have a researcher client. So they're coming to your site and they want to know everything that there is to know. And then you have, you know, this other type of client. So really understanding your clients can help you deliver that marketing. So we know when we write content for them, we need to speak to these different archetypes. And if somebody is results-driven, when we make a landing page for you, you know maybe a paid campaign is going to this landing page, we need to show those results on your page. So we need to speak to those different people. So maybe that guy has gone through all of his cases and found out that he really wants to be in front of that audience that's like, I need someone aggressive and someone that's going to go fight for me. And that's the audience that he's attracting. So... I think really understanding your clients and and what they're looking for and what their pain points are can help you define what that voice is. And yes, people do that. We don't deliver that type of marketing for any of our current clients, but it's got to work for somebody. right?
2: Several times during today's episode, you've talked about sort of the active involvement of the law firm owner or the law firm team. And I think that's really important. I remember once I'd referred an SEO company to a lawyer friend of mine, and I would talk to both of them about how that relationship was going. And they both complained about each other, but (laughs) specifically the seo company kept saying that we try to get feedback and try to get information from the law firm owner and it just isn't forthcoming. And so what advice do you have for people about how to work well with their marketing companies?
1: I think ask questions and be open. So the agency is going to ask questions and you know maybe the firm feels like oh I don't trust them with that data but trust is going to be the foundation. It's like any relationship or marriage or what have you like both parties need to understand that the other one is is there to help them and have that trust that, okay, the agency is acting on my behalf and I trust them with my data so that they can make better decisions for me. So that communication and sometimes what I like to say is like the question behind the question. The reason I'm asking you this information is because this is what I'm trying to get to. And when you understand what I'm trying to do with the information, it might make you more open to you know sharing that or helping facilitate things. So just... Communication. The more that you communicate, the more your teams feel ingrained with each other and the less it feels transactional, which we really try to steer away from that transactional feel. We're a strategic partner and we want to help your business grow and we need to be part of it to do that.
3: That's great. All right. We are at our stopping point. So uh, I'm going to start to wrap things up before I do. I want to remind everyone to join us in the Facebook group. There's a lot of great activity going on there on a daily basis. If you want a more high-level conversation, join us in the Guild. Go to maxlawguild.com. It's a great place to meet highly successful business owners. And then while you're listening to the rest of this episode, while you're hearing our tips and our hacks, please leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, It helps us spread the love to other lawyers to help them get out of the rut that they are in. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week?
2: We have a full-time marketing director now and a content manager. And our content manager spent about three weeks, I think coming up with a brand book, a brand book for the firm. So now we have a color scheme, we have a font scheme, the website's going to reflect that. So now all of our marketing across all of the social media channels looks the same. It has the same color structure, the same design. And I think that spending that time To make sure that your marketing is consistent because it's just so easy to create a piece of content now. If you don't go back or have something to refer back to, you're really missing out. So, as we're redeveloping our website, we just sent on the brand book and they knew what font to use, they knew what colors we wanted, and it really made things a lot easier.
1: Obviously, as a marketer, I love that.
3: (laughs) It's really good. All right, Becky, we always ask our guests to give us a tip or a hack. It could be a book, it could be a podcast, it could be a quote, it could be anything. Do you have a tip or a hack for us?
1: I'm gonna go with be prepared. So I tried to be prepared for this podcast and ask about what we were going to discuss. I like to prepare on Friday afternoons for my week ahead. So I set time in my calendar and I say, look at your meetings for next week, so that I can you know be prepared and not feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants all the time. So that's my tip.
3: And you did. You sent us an email. <laughs> you were yeah. You were ready to go. So it's uh, <laughs> it's great. Very good stuff. All right. So my tip of the week is the i started 75 hard and so i've got to do 2 45 minute workouts a day and one of those has got to be outside and it's one of those things where i don't want to get bored and i was looking up apps to kind of keep things fun and there's one called sweat deck and there's I bring this up cuz your health is really really important when it comes to running at ball practice so sweat deck what you do and i'm kind of i'm showing it to and becky what you do is you hit the card right and then you basically you start and then it gives you random exercises so so I'm starting it right now. So the first thing is 10 squats, right? So you, you do the 10 squats and then you tap the card again. And then that's 10 jumping jacks. So you don't know what you're going to get with each card. So it's, it's random and it's kind of like poker, I guess. That's why it's got on playing cards, but it's kind of fun. I'm not going to do it every single day. And there's a lot of burpee cards in there which is a real pain in the butt, but it, it, it keeps things uh, exciting for 45 minutes during a workout. So that is my tip of the week. Becky, thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. A lot of great content. So thank you so much. Thank you.
2: Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.